welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug, pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church, based out of Shelton, Washington, a congregation of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, that is. Happy Reformation Sunday, everybody. We're celebrating the reforming, renewing work of the Holy Spirit in the church in every generation. Or as we say around here, Ludafisk, Ludafisk, Lefsa, Lefsa, we're the mighty Lutherans. Yeah, sure, you betcha. <laughs> we're also in week six of our series focusing on emotionally healthy relationships, EHR for short. As faith leans into our congregation's vision and dream, what we believe is really God's vision and dream for us to grow closer to and more like Jesus. Emotionally Healthy Relationships is an eight-week preaching devotional and small group series based on the work of Pete and Jerry Scazzaro. This week's lesson has to do with climbing the ladder of integrity. You can learn more about Emotionally Healthy Relationships and more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. Thanks for listening today. So I've grown up in the Christian tradition, in the Lutheran tradition, and I've had a privilege to read a chunk of Luther's writings, quite a bit about his life. Martin Luther, that is. Uh, he's no saint. He wasn't perfect and was in many ways uh, at the same time just the right person at the right place at the right time in history to be an instrument of the Holy Spirit to lead a reformation of the Christian church that had kind of gotten off track. So growing up, I've heard countless stories about Luther, his life, what he accomplished, what he wrote and taught. Today, I want to just look at four details about Martin Luther that are meaningful to me and why they matter. Three of them are a matter of public record, probably pretty historical. The fourth, eh, it's a good story. Sounds true. Well, let's start with where Luther would, and that is with the Word of God. So grab your Bible, open it up to Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 21. The Apostle Paul writes, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. There's, neither, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, through the shedding of his blood, to be received by faith. God did this to demonstrate God's righteousness, because in forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. God did it to demonstrate God's righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It's excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Here ends the first reading. And now a short reading from the Gospel of John, the eighth chapter, beginning at verse 31. John writes To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
And this is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dr. Martin Luther, the 16th century German priest, professor, and reformer. Really a remarkable historical figure. He's a central figure in what's known in Western civilization classes as the Protestant Reformation. The first uh, story that I think about when I think about Luther has to do with what he did on October 31st, 1517, when Professor Luther posted on Instagram, (laughs) or the Instagram of his day, a list of 95 topics that he thought warranted some rigorous public debate. Some of it was theological. Uh, At the time, the Pope was overreaching his authority, declaring himself the inerrant and infallible interpreter of the Bible. Some of Luther's arguments were political and economic, looking at the corruption and unhealthy mix of church and state. And then there were those indulgences, a shady, fear-based fundraising technique that Luther found abhorrent and immoral. Well, thanks in part to Gutenberg's uh, newfangled printing press gadget that had been recently uh, recently created, these debate topics uh, went from the wall at the Wittenberg church. Um, they went viral. And over the next few years, pretty soon everybody, it seemed, was talking about Luther's critiques of the church. And so it came to pass in the spring of 1521, about 500 years ago, Luther was subpoenaed by the powers that be to answer for his accusations against the Pope and the Holy Roman Empire. The public trial was known as a diet, And it assembled in a town called Worms. And this leads to one of my favorite historical inside jokes, the pivotal role that the Diet of Worms played in the Protestant Reformation. Anyway, Luther shows up and is told publicly to, or told to publicly recant his writings and submit to the authority of the Pope. And Luther refuses to back down. He states that it's a matter of conscience, that unless his writings can be refuted on the basis of scripture or plain reason, well, he says, I cannot recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Luther's declared a heretic, kicked out of the Roman Catholic Church. But his theological insights, his appeal to the authority of the word alone, his willingness to stand up to both pope and emperor all resonate with the people. And Luther becomes the focal point of a reforming movement in the church. And presto, Lutherans. And here we stand, grounded in scripture, conscience-bound and committed to honest debate, suspicious of claims of inerrancy and infallibility, opposed to Christian nationalism and to corrupt and exploitative institutions. You might say Lutherans have been questioning authority since 1517. Now, not long after the Diet of Worms, Luther's friends learned of a plot by the Christian nationalists to kidnap and imprison Luther. So Luther's allies kidnapped him first, and they hid him away at the Wartburg Castle, For two years, he even took on a new identity as, get this, Knight George. He just can't make this stuff up. And while in hiding, Luther worked on on the first translation of the New Testament into common German. If the first legacy of Luther is taking a stand, the second legacy of Luther is giving people direct access to the Word of God. 
See, he knew then, and we know now, that there's no such thing as an inerrant or an infallible interpretation of the Bible. The Bible is the inspired living word of God. The Bible is, in a sense, the manger in which the living word, Jesus Christ, is held and revealed. To this day, Lutherans reject claims by popes and TV preachers, anyone who claims an exclusive inerrant interpretation of the Bible. Lutherans read the Bible for ourselves, and we believe that the Bible is what the Bible says it is. The Bible says it's the inspired word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, the, the, God's word is God-breathed, um, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The Bible thoroughly equips us for every good work. The Bible is inspired. It's, it's there to teach us, to correct us, to train us, to equip us for every good work. And then the Bible says that it's the living word of God. God's word is living and active. That's Hebrews chapter 4. After all, Jesus is the living word of God, the way, the truth, and the life, the truth that sets us free. God's word is not a mere proposition or doctrine or book of rules. God's word is Jesus. Jesus is the truth that sets us free. Not information about Jesus, not theories about Jesus, not even faith in Jesus. Jesus is the living word, God's son, the truth that sets us free. The Bible is inspired. The Bible is the living word of God. And, and Luther's insight is that the, living, that the word of God is both law and gospel. The word is a law. It judges us. Hebrews chapter 4 goes on to say not only that the, God's word is living and active, but it goes on to say that the word is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Just get a hold of that image there. This is the sense that the word is a law. It reads us. <laughs> the word recognizes my motives, my heart, all my BS. God's word is like a, a, a sword or a scalpel that, that opens it all up, exposes it all out there for all to see. I can't hide anything from the word of God and neither can you. That's why when we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and, and make God out to be a liar. Because the living word of God is a law that exposes who we really are. It keeps us honest. At the same time, the word is also gospel. It is the word that proclaims the grace and faithfulness of Christ Jesus who has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 3 is a bedrock scripture for our understanding of our faith, our identity in Christ, who and whose we are. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. True enough. And all are freely justified by God's grace. Amen. In Christ, we have been redeemed, set free, liberated by the very Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord, through his victory over sin, death, and the devil. For if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And this is the gospel of the Lord. It's what God has done for us. Thanks be to God.
Now, there's another story or legend about Luther that I find to be at the heart of why I love my Lutheran identity, why I'm a Lutheran Christian. The story goes that one of those nights in the Wartburg Castle, probably in 15, 20, 21, 22, somewhere in there, Luther is in his study, and he's beginning his, his work on the Bible translation. And one night he becomes vexed by a malicious spirit. He sees the devil standing there in his room, taunting him, belittling him and his work. Who do you think you are, Luther? Says the devil. I know what a wicked soul you are. Who are you to imagine that anything you say or write is worthy of the God you say you love? Why should God love you? And these accusations just go on and on. And and by all accounts, including his own, Luther often battled with depression, anxiety, and these spiritual attacks most all of his life. And this night was an especially vicious attack, and Luther was nearly undone. But finally, as the story goes, he picks up his inkwell, and he hurls it at the wall where he sees the devil mocking him. Hits the devil right in the face. Nine, he shouts. No, he says. I belong to Christ. I belong to to Christ. Depression, despair, spiritual warfare, these are real things. The devil's out there lying and accusing. Sometimes it's my inside voice, maybe it's somebody else, maybe it's, maybe it's an expectation. But Luther's inkwell is a reminder and encouragement for me that life is a battle, that there are voices and forces in the world that seek to undo me to seek to discourage us, to seek us to, to question the faithfulness and grace of God. And sometimes you and I, we just have to throw an inkwell at the devil. We need to say, nine, <laughs> turn off the news, stand on the promise of baptism, on the love and goodness of God. I am a child of God because God says so, and God is faithful, and God keeps God's promises. Here I stand. Eventually, Luther is allowed to assume a more public life. By the mid-late 1520s, he takes on the role of preacher and priest. He goes across the German countryside teaching and, and, um, and providing pastoral care, and people listen to his stories all the time. But he, as he's out there, he, he learns that after centuries of this sort of unholy division of labor, where priests were the religious people and peasants were the secular people, Priests take care of the religious stuff while peasants pay money and keep their heads down. Luther um, saw that, that families, they, they didn't know the basics of the faith. And Luther was convinced that the place where faith should be taught and learned is not in the monastery, but rather in the home. That parents were, were called and gifted and, and meant to be the primary teachers of faith to their children. So you know what he did? He teamed up again with those printing press guys and he created a new website. He created these posters for families to place over their dining room tables that taught the basics of the Christian faith. They included the Ten Commandments and some basic uh, uh, explanations of of the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer. There were brief instructions regarding baptism and communion and confession. It included some daily prayers for mealtime and for getting up in the morning, going to bed at night. We call this today the small catechism, and it's still one of the most useful tools I know of for teaching the basics of the faith, for getting started. 
It also informs my conviction and the longstanding practice of the Lutheran tradition that parents are best equipped to teach faith to their children. In fact, all parents do teach faith. The only question is what faith you're teaching them. Well, I guess I didn't really get much, too much into emotional, healthy spirituality and, uh, and climbing the ladder of integrity, except to say that Luther, in many ways, exemplifies several marks of personal integrity. He lives by his conscience. He stands up to those in power. He, he, he puts his faith not in himself, but in the word of God. He honestly and openly fights his demons. He's confident in, in the power of God and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and in the God-given ability for regular people, you and me, um, to do what God has called us to do, to, to grow closer to and more like Jesus and to instruct our children in the Christian faith and to, and to do good works in God's name. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. As Lutherans today, I think we can still learn from his legacy. Um, let's continue to lift up the word, living word of God. Let's make our home uh, in God's word, becoming so familiar with the sound of God's voice in the pages of the Bible and in the teachings of Christ Jesus and in our conversations with one another that we can discern uh, God's voice, God's command, we can listen to when God is gently correcting us and when God is gently encouraging us. Um, we can say nine, <laughs> no to malicious speech and lying tongues. As Lutherans today, for the love of God, turn off the fox and the peacock. Neither one is your friend and neither one is God's voice. I was thinking here, it's the politics season. There's all these political ads on. I don't watch TV, but I want to watch the Seahawks this week. So, so when a political ad comes up during the Seahawks game, don't throw an inkwell. Just hit the mute button and yell nine. Because that stuff has no place in our homes. We belong to Christ. So Ludafisk, Ludafisk, Lefsa, Lefsa. We're the mighty Lutherans. Yeah, sure. You betcha. Thanks for listening today. Uh, EHR, like I said, EHR resources, small group schedule, signups uh, are at Faith and our website, www.faithshelton.org. Keep listening to this podcast for more in this Emotionally Healthy Relationship series. It's available on most po plat blah, 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 podcast platforms, <laughs> including Spotify, Apple, and Google. Um, all that stuff. Thank you so much for your ongoing uh, financial support of the ministries of Faith Lutheran Church. Thank you, Chaz and Nadia, for your production and tech support for this podcast. And thank God. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mm -hmm.